0: I might as well tell you the whole story for I shall see to it you never tell anyone else Hello, this is me and my friend Pete, the podcast that explores all things The Amazing Spider-Man. I'm your host, Gerald. If this is your first time with us, welcome, if it isn't... Welcome, 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 welcome back. This week, we're running through Amazing Spider-Man number 13, The Minish of Mysterio. If you haven't already, please like, comment, subscribe, and review as your opinions Both good and bad matter not only to me, but the curious folks outside of our listening community who may be swayed by your opinions to join in. Shout out to the right minders, the big three, the key keepers and the high council. To you, I say I see you and I thank you for your support. And to you all, I say I hope you still have your black ties from the suit up bonus episode because we've got a couple of Oscar nods at least. In this one, we've got Spidey going mad, committing crimes while he sleeps. We've got JJ the Tyrader trading tantrums in for trophies. We've got more smoke in the air than a siphon. of Uncle Snoop in a forest fire. And we've got action from the Brooklyn Bridge to the moon and back, all crammed in 22 pages. And we've got me. We've got you. We've got no further ado. We've got the amazing Spider-Man, lucky number 13, the menace of Mysterio. Me and my best friend Pete, old adventures, new critiques. He spins webs, I spin yarns, kind of kooky, be forewarned. Look out, it's me and my friend Pete. We've got smiling Stan Lee writing on this one with art by none other than swinging Steve Ditko. And letters by art, it's in the name, Simic. The cover on this beauty and it is a beauty to be sure is paneled and if there's anything i've learned from our adventure It's that if we've got panels on the outside, on the inside, we've got all types of greatness. So the panels are split into three. A large panel dominating the page and two smaller rectangles of equal size beneath it. In the large panel, we get THE Amazing Spider-Man and Spidey New Roman above the webs as always. It's written in a vivid cerulean blue with Spidey costume red in the shadow of the word Spider-Man and looks amazing on top of the white negative space it's sitting on, no pun intended. Beneath it, we got action. On stage right, we see our hero, the Amazing Spider-Man. His shoulder blade's pressed against the black wall. Spidey's back against the wall. He's probably gonna leap. His left leg is bent and he's on the tiptoes of that foot. His right leg is out in front of him and he's on the heel of that foot. He has his left hand raised over his head and his right by his waist. And both hands are spraying the most amazing invention in the whole world. At our newest Spidey villain, Buyaka Buyaka! That's Mysterio. Mysterio has the finest costume in the whole supervillain game. And I love it because we're going to see it here and he wears it inside. There's no bait and switch for Mysterio and that's good. He's wearing green full body spandex, neck to foot with squarish ornamental gauntlets on his wrist that curve outward into sharp points. The green of his spandex is close to pine needle green, but the green of his gloves on the inside of the book is a little lighter, closer to lime green. His costume looks like it's covered in chain mail. On his head, he has a large bowl helmet, his face shrouded inside. And I mean like a fish bowl, upside down on his head. A lot of people I know who know Mysterio lock in on the bowl on his head as his defining quality, but to me, it's in his cape. Mysterio is wearing a cape I always assume is cut from the finest suede. And if you're wondering if he's got an ego or not, the cape is a floor length, lush royal purple with two large clasps front and center holding it in place. The clasps are two light pink diamonds with circles in the middle of both, so that, with how his head is covered, his torso resembles a face. When I first saw this costume as a kid, it horrified me in the best way. Reminded me of those plants with the eyes in them that give everybody trypophobia. You may have heard me mention trypophobia before when I was talking about the spot in the Daredevil bonus episode. Lawyered here on me and my friend Pete. So here is a man who takes great pride in his supervillainy. He'd be higher up on my stylist, but just like Mr. Terrific, he's only got the one look. Sidebar. Just read Amazing Spider-Man number 78.bey. So 78 beyond. The current issue and the daughters of the dragon are on the cover and Misty Knight is crushing it as usual. Inside, it only gets better. Check it out if you can. Back to. So Spidey is spraying the most amazing invention in the world at Mysterio who is shrouded in a sky blue mist. His right hand raised, the spider web's disintegrate before it even reaches him. There's a wisp of smoke cutting across his body from stage right to stage left. It's beautiful to look at below this to the left we see spidey's webbing still works on someone as a white-haired man in a green suit and red bow tie stands next to an open safe staring at none other than our hero who has his back to us webbing the guy up. The caption box beside it reads, What's this? Spider-man turning to crime? You're in for a real shock. I'm not, Spidey would never. The panel on the right, we see Spidey's head in profile. He's in a psychiatrist's office, staring at another white-haired man who's standing next to the couch of spilled secrets and trauma, gesturing for Spidey to lay down. The caption box reads, Ever see a comic max superhero take his troubles to a psychiatrist? You will now. What is going on? Only one way to find out. Let's get into it. Page one opens to the sign of the spider with Spider-Man written just inside its borders as usual. Next to it in red, we have the title, The Menace of Mysterio. Beneath this, we get a scene you'd have to witness yourself to believe. In a room with yellow light falling on the back wall where a painting sits in its frame above a stylized lamp, there are two men here. One, brown hair, JJP colored suit and orange bow tie. The other, white hair, a brown suit and a green tie. JJP is standing next to, on his left, a large floor safe nearly as tall as he is. Brown suit is laying in front of the open safe as yellow banded money falls down on him from a top drawer of the safe. Yellow bands are for $10 bills and each band above $2 is bundled by the 100 so the man has $2,000 raining down on him from the safe. Above the safe is a row of books and JJP's left arm pinned to the wall by webbing. His right hand is pinned too and his legs and brown suit, who's covered in webbing, pinning him to the wall and safe, is laying on the floor. In the foreground, we see the amazing Spider-Man doing the unthinkable. He's fleeing the scene, staring over his shoulder with a large, cliched green money bag with a dollar sign on it. The caption boxes are going wild. In a scream caption surrounded by green, it reads, Can we believe our eyes? Has the amazing Spider-Man turned to crime? The editors sincerely feel that this may well be one of the most gripping tales of the year. And in a red box beneath Spider-Man's fleeing left knee, Before very long, you are about to meet a startlingly different breed of arch-villain. Expect the unexpected when you see Mysterio. We turn the page. Our tale begins with the shocking suddenness of a summer storm as we see. And Spidey is on the move, bursting from the window of a two-story building, a large green money bag strapped to his left hip as someone from inside, probably JJP, screams that he's been robbed and calls for the police. So we're at the moment just after Spidey's stolen the money from the safe on page one. We're watching Spidey go full-on thief. Beneath him on the street below, a guy in green points up at Spider-Man screaming he's getting away as a yellow cab turns the corner. Spidey lands on the sheer wall of the building across from the crime scene and clinging to the sheer wall of the office building, scales it towards the roof as the crowd below says it has to be Spider-Man because no one else can climb sheer walls. That's not true. We've seen Electro climb sheer walls just for the record, but he didn't do it in a Spidey costume, so I guess that counts for nothing. Spidey reaches the top of the roof, and all of the shouting from below has led two police officers to his position. But we know Spider Man can handle two police officers. He sprays a web net from his left hand, not even bothering to turn the face of two B cops, screaming, Watchmen on the roof! Well, this will take care of them, tangling the police up before leaping from the rooftop and web-swinging away as the cops try desperately to get free of his webbing. Seconds later, hidden by a slow rolling fog which spreads over the city, blotting out the moonlight, the colorful figure drifts silently to the ground, using a hastily improvised parachute made of thin, strong webbing. And the daring young man on the flying trapeze escapes into the beautifully drawn fog, floating easily to the earth. In the final panel, two police officers stand staring over the edge, saying they never thought they'd say it, but Spider-Man has turned to a life of crime. Put out an APB. Spider-Man's gone too far. We turn the page and you know if Spider-Man's been spotted in the act of stealing, the whole nation is gonna be talking about it. If the whole nation's talking about it, you know we're getting a righteous crowd reaction shot. In a long detail panel, we see people out on the streets, speculation on every lip, except Bat Newsy. Bat Newsy's gonna Dunder the Mifflin. And if he ain't moving papers today, he screams, Read all about it, Spider-Man! Wanted by police. As a man in a gray suit walks toward him with one finger raised, he'll take one, give him a nickel. Next to Bat Newsy, a man in a JJP suit and blue bowler says it's unbelievable as he talks to his group of friends. But his man in a brown suit, I'm thinking these are the two guys Spider Man robbed on page one. And Brown Suit calls Spidey a crummy crook who finally decided to cash in on all his powers. As they debate in the background, in the foreground, we see two women, crowd reaction shot legends at this point, I call them Red and Deb. The red-haired woman says Spider-Man was a hero to her children, and this is going to crush them. The biggest surprise to me is Deb. She looks like the debutante from the crowd reaction shot in Amazing Spider-Man number nine when Spidey was being accused of being Electro, who said if Spidey wasn't the electric engine of Ego, why didn't he catch him? Well Spidey caught Electro and that must have changed her mind because she says that this happening right now, Spidey being a villain, is a great shock to all of us. A guy in a SJB jacket and red cap with the brim flipped up puffs a cigarette with his hands in his pockets as he says, he must be nuts if he thinks he can get away with a one-man crime wave, no matter how powerful he is, as a guy in a gray bowler, green Suit, yellow tie says if Spidey has gone rogue the police are gonna be in for some chop and in the office of J Jonah Jameson publisher of now magazine and the daily bugle we see Jay Jonah Jameson having the time of his life his best life is being lived right now he's got his blazer off his sleeves rolled up and he's leaning forward on his desk pointing at two editors one wearing a sky blue shirt with glasses and brown hair the other wearing a yellow shirt with a green bow tie and brown pants. Jameson, a wide smile on his face, is telling him to find all the old editorials he's ever published on Spider-Man and reprint them so everyone can see how right he is. And the editor in the yellow shirt looks so disappointed. Like, the very last thing he wanted to hear was Spidey was a villain and Jameson was right. I hear you guys. While in the foreground, we have none other than Betty Brant, secretary extraordinaire and the damsel never in distress. She's in a full sleeve copper blouse, and you know if Betty's worried, there's a hand to her chin, and she thinks, I can't believe this of Spider-Man. I still remember how he once saved my life. That was an Amazing Spider-Man number 11, and we rode that crazy train here in the What If... Bennett was definitely in it episode here on Me and My Friend Pete. So at least we know Betty Brant doesn't believe what's happening. But they aren't the only people wrapped up in the speculation. In the next panel, we see the gang outside of Midtown High, high school to the world's most fashionable teenagers, and Flash Thompson. A broony boy in an SJB sweater and orange tie is scowling as he says Spider-Man's made a fool of all of them. Liz Allen, clutching a newspaper in her hand, wearing her signature red blouse, and blonde haired ponytail, as that she can't believe they made Spider-Man out to be a hero. Spider-Man saved your life in the museum. He is a hero, lady. He is a hero. Yo, you gotta chill. I'm just saying, everybody's quick to forget. She had a gun to her head. Flash Thompson, standing next to her in a lime green turtleneck, isn't buying any of this. You know things are bad when the Brand X kid is the only person talking since. Frowning, he says, "Gee." I don't know Liz, we can't be positive, he may still be innocent. While a final Bruni boy, his head and profile tells Flash Spider-Man is guilty and he knows it. And finally, we see the goldenrod kid himself, Peter Parker in a goldenrod vest, red tie and SJB colored pants. He's sitting alone in the classroom, the star-spangled banner hanging from a flagpole on a wall in front of him. As American, as apple pie he is. His left hand pressed against his face, he says, this is impossible, it's insane. I know I didn't commit that crime. And yet, those witnesses, that evidence. We get a shot of Pete straight on in a negative purple space next. Ditko was going for something different with the half-man, half-amazing image in this one because the half of Pete's face wearing the Spidey mask isn't fully covered. The mask stops at his hairline and doesn't cover his eye with the giant mirrored lenses as usual. But hey, nothing wrong with experimenting. Always be pushing yourself. Anyway, sitting in this negative space, Pete says it couldn't have been an imposter because no one else can do whatever a Spidey can like him. In the final panel, Pete has a revelation as he stares into the empty space in shock. He says the only other answer, too awful to think about, is that he's suffering from split personality disorder and maybe he committed the crime in his sleep without knowing like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Dr. Liability and Mr. Rod may definitely be in the building. He gets home and heads into the kitchen to help May clean the dishes to open page 4, but his thoughts are stuck on this new idea, and he drops a plate as May, wearing a full-length green dress, glances at him over her shoulder, wearing a stern expression. Pete apologizes as the plate crashes to the floor, saying it's the second he's broken today, and I know May is thinking plates don't grow on trees from her expression, but she never loses her cool. She asks if anything's wrong because Pete doesn't seem himself. She asks if Pete's worried about their money troubles, and says they're going to find a way to make it through no matter the mortgage, and that he doesn't have to worry about it. Pete, cleaning up the plate, says maybe he's been studying too hard. And Mae thinks, The poor dear. I worry about him so. He's not as rough and thick-skinned as most other boys. He's sensitive, and he worries more than he'll admit. Aunt Mae is correct. Peter Parker is worried about something she'd never suspect. And we see the goldenrod kid looking terrorized as he lays in bed, surrounded by the evening darkness. A shadow from the window creating a black strip running across his eyes as he stares at the ceiling, refusing to blink. He thinks, I never thought this would happen to me. I'm afraid to shut my eyes. To go to sleep. But you already know whenever you're fighting your sleep, you'll be snoring in seconds, and Pete is no different. He's awoken by the radio at his bedside the next morning. Bulletin. Spider-Man has struck again during the night. Staring at the radio in the finest hot pink silk pajamas, he screams, Oh no! And decides he needs to figure this out. He hops out of bed and pulls his Spidey costume on immediately, saying there's only one way to find out if he's going crazy or not. And so, a short time later, in the office of a nearby psychiatrist. Spidey's clinging to the sheer wall of a psychiatrist's office beside the man's PhD, and we see the doctor in the foreground. He's in a brown three-piece suit, green tie, and is sporting a black comb over and thick black mustache holding a manila folder in his hand. Spidey says, Don't be alarmed, Doc. I just wanna know one thing. Can a person do something in his sleep that he'd never do awake?" And the doctor, more concerned with his own celebrity, thinks to himself, Spider-Man, if I can make a patient out of him, I'll make medical history. Imagine a mysterious superhero who's a mental case. Before pointing to his couch in the final panel and saying he thinks he can help, Spidey just needs to lay down on his couch and let the man probe his unconscious. And Spidey says, cool but no funny business. The doctor says just get comfortable and relax to open page five. Spidey says he appreciates the help and is about to approach the couch before his neuroses kicks in right away. He thinks, oh no, what a mistake I almost made. If I just relax and say whatever I think of, I'm liable to give away my secret identity. I don't dare. And Spidey may be right. Psychiatry tends to work best if a person can be open and honest through the process. And as a superhero, how could he ever? Just one person knowing his secrets could be dangerous. Octopus doesn't even know Spidey's secret identity, but still guessed enough to snatch up Betty Brandt last issue, knowing Spidey was connected to her in some way. So Spidey's got to be careful. He leaps onto the windowsill and after apologizing for wasting the doctor's time, tells the doctor that he's changed his mind and he'll have to find another solution. The psychiatrist, waving both hands to stop our hero, screams for Spidey to stay, saying that he's a type of patient psychiatrists dream of. So Spidey's trepidation was spot on. He went there to get better, and the doctor's talking about Spidey being the type of case doctors dream of. Another example of one person trying to treat another as a means instead of an end unto themselves. Disrespecting Kant. You can find my rant on this in further detail in the Golden Liability Always another day episode here on me and my friend Pete. Or read the amazing story yourself in THE Amazing Spider-Man number 5. A psychiatrist should know better, but he's only human and luckily for Spidey, in this instance, he's making the right call. I believe most people can benefit from the self-exploration of psychiatry, but I think it's just as important to find someone who won't exploit your openness for their own ends. Back to... A short time later at the offices of the Daily Bugle. We see the Goldenrod Kid SJB suit, red pinstripe tie, walking into the Daily Bugle office fresh to death as he's greeted by none other than Betty Brant. She's wearing a pink blouse with gold clasp on the shoulders, her bob haircut flawless as usual, and she's holding a manila folder in her hand. She says Pete looks ejected and asks what's wrong. And Pete says he's okay. Betty presses the issue. She says he's probably worried because he hasn't sold a photo in a while and that he should find another line of work. And Pete... Snaps! He says, Lay off, will you, Betty? I'm in no mood to be preached to. You're always saying that it's too dangerous to try to take exclusive crime photos. I don't tell you how to live your life. Don't butt into mine. And Betty's taken aback. Her hand is already racing towards her chin as she says Pete's never spoken to her like this. And I'm going to go ahead and throw a flag on Pete, the call. Hypocrisy, turnabout fair play, 10-yard penalty, still first down. Pete went on a whole rant about how Betty can't really care about him if she doesn't confide in him in ASM number 10. That's BCC Dr. CK Connors, how to plan here on Me and My Friend Pete. I know he's worried that if Betty ever knows he's Spider-Man, she'll leave him, but he doesn't have a right to tell her to butt out when he's not being completely honest. Back to... He enters J.J.'s corner office next, and we see J.J. is living his best life. The time of his life is being had in this office. The only thing that's missing is confetti and champagne, and I'm sure it'll be somewhere down the line for the man. There are letters scattered all over his desk. He's holding two in his hands and cheesing through the cigar clenched in his teeth. He says the letters and telegrams have been pouring in all morning about how right he was about Spider-Man and that this is a great moment of triumph for him. J.J. the Triumphant. Pete, smiling with his hands in his pocket, says, I'm glad you're in a good mood, Mr. Jameson. I, uh, need a loan. My aunt has a mortgage payment to make, and we're a little short. And in the final panel, we see triumphant doesn't mean generous. Holding up a newspaper, the tip of his cigar glowing red, J.J. replies, Why tell me? I'm not a bank. You know my rule, Parker. I don't lend money. I'm busy now. You know where the door is. Pete says, come on, JJ. I just need to hold something until I get some more pictures. JJ gives Pete a smile and a wink to open page six and, realizing Pete's in a vulnerable position, tries to take advantage of the situation. Pulling the cigar from his mouth, he says, don't try to take advantage of me because I'm so soft-hearted. The answer is no, unless you want to sell me the secret of how you take those great crime photos of yours. How this kid gets these pictures must be keeping Jameson awake at night. He needs to know. Pete glares at him over his shoulder and says, No dice! Before heading towards the door. Good for Pete. Being down doesn't mean you're out and never let a person try to milk your greatest assets when you're at your bottom. Know your worth, you know? You're always worth something. A broken clock is right at least two times a day and even a garbage gets a stake. Shout out to Ho, fact two. JJ's smile vanishes and he says he knows Pete's got a special camera. While Pete... Walking out of the office says, thanks for nothing. Thinking it'd blow JJ's mind to know the young savant has created a camera mount in his belt. Finally, Pete's getting suited and booted on top of a rooftop in the next panel. He only needs to put on his mask and gloves. He says he knows he shouldn't risk web-slinging with the whole city hunting for him. But Aunt May needs that mortgage money and you can't make the donuts on dimes. He's gotta do it. He swings down to the street below in the next panel. But before his feet even touch the floor, he's spotted by a brown-suited man who screams. Look, it's Spider-Man. And the chase chain is on! Spidey races into the next panel with no less than five suited New York citizens on his tail in suits of varying colors screaming after him! Call the police! Don't let him get away! Before he leaps above the angry crowd onto a sheer yellow wall in the next panel thinking the public hates him now. These are some well-to-do citizens as they shake their fists from beneath him. We see at least two of them are wearing cufflinks. Anybody else notice it's never the have-nots chasing our hero? He reaches the roof in the final panel and grabbing his clothes, runs along the edge of it thinking, and the terrible thing about it is, I don't know if they're right. I can't make the money I need, and I may be committing crimes without knowing it. Boy, life sure is a bowl of cherries. A bowl of cherries, indeed. It's an expression that means life's great, but usually said by a person when their life isn't. There's a great song written by Brown Lou and Henderson Ray called, you guessed it, Life is Just a Bowl of Cherries, originally performed by the legendary Judy Garland that explains it beautifully. Shout out through the ether to them all. Back to the next day on the way to high school. The Goldenrod Kid, SJB suit, pinstripe goldenrod vest, black tie, hands in pocket, as usual, is walking towards the high school as Liz Allen in a copper sequin vest and brown skirt races up to him. Pete's thinking that he doesn't know what to worry about first, getting the donuts for the mortgage, or if he really is a sleepwalking criminal. And Liz shouts for him to wait for her. He turns into the next panel where Liz is dominating, showing off her new Bob haircut. Liz says she's been wanting to show Pete her new hairdo and ask if he likes it, and Pete says sure, it's nice, but he thinks of all times to have to talk about a gal's hair. All I know is Betty wears it best. They walk with each other towards school as Pete thinks. What nutty timing. For months Liz wouldn't give me a tummy. But since I've been dating Betty, Liz has gotten a crush on me. And Liz says he looks upset and asks what's wrong. Pete throws her a winning smile, one eyebrow raised and thinking that's the understatement of the year says. Nah, everything's great Liz. If it gets any better, I'll shoot myself. And I know Liz is feeling the kid. That is one of the most morbid jokes Pete's ever told. And she laughs like it's hilarious and tells him he has a great sense of humor. Meanwhile, Flash, fashion on, Yeah, he's not doing so bad today, Thompson is chatting it up with a red-headed kid in a JJP suit and a brunie nearby. They don't believe Spider-Man's innocent either and ask Flash if he still does. Flash jerks his thumb at himself, saying he does, and is about to go down his list of proof before he hears Liz's voice and nearly gives himself whiplash spinning around. Spotting her, he says, Hey, look at that! Wow we!" before approaching the duo and telling Liz he nearly didn't recognize her with how beautiful she is now. Liz, her speech bubble dripping icicles, she's cold-blooded, replies, really Mr. Thompson? And what was I before, pray tell? Throwing her chin towards the ceiling, like, get out of here, kid. As Pete, smiling despite his woes, thinks, poor Flash, he always says the wrong thing. Meanwhile, At J. Jonah Jameson's office. J.J. is in his office in busy mode. Blazer, off. Sleeves, rolled up. Cigar, in hand. Blue tie. He has three other middle-aged white men in the office with him, probably editors. We've got balding black hair, SJB suit, blue tie, comb over brown hair, maroon suit, gray bow tie, parted down the middle, Sandy hair, green suit, red tie. Sandy asks what JJ called the meeting for, and JJ replies, Some nuts sent me a note saying he could get rid of Spider-Man single handed. <laughs> I told him to come up here and prove it. While brown hair screams for them to look at the door, where a cloud of smoke is billowing into the room. In the final panel, Mysterio steps through the door frame, his face a shadow behind his fishbowl styled helmet. Wasting no time, he introduces himself, I am Mysterio, as one of the editors screams from off-panel that he's cornier looking than Spider-Man. This editor has no sense of style, clearly. I bet it was the guy who parted his hair straight down the middle. String. That purple cloak alone puts Mysterio in the conversation for best costume in the game. We turn the page and we're on... The Infinity, Infinity, page. Infinity page. Just in time, they get a close-up on Boldome, smoke wisping around him as he says, There is a reason for my disguise. If the underworld ever finds out about my powers, they might try to stop me by threatening my family. Sandy asks what powers, and J.J., pointing at the stranger, asks how do they know it's not Spider-Man beneath that fishbowl. Mysterio says they'll find out he means what he says and that he has no reason to lie before handing J.J. a sealed envelope saying, I must go now. If you wish to end the menace of Spider-Man, follow the instructions in this envelope. Engulfed in his cloud of smoke, he tells him that Spider-Man has great powers, but his are greater still before vanishing on the spot. An editor screams his confusion from off-panel in the next panel as the smoke dissipates, and Jameson tells him to be quiet so he can see what the letter says. Rude. I know. J.J. holds the note in his hand, and it says, the Notice in the Daily Bugle saying, if Spider-Man wants to learn the truth about himself, he should meet Mysterio atop the Brooklyn Bridge. One of J.J.'s editors, chancing a sentence, says he doesn't get it, but Mysterio wouldn't have gone to all this trouble if it didn't make sense before the note vanishes in a puff of smoke in the next panel. From off-panel, someone says that if Spidey can be beaten, this Mysterio is the guy to do it. But why? Nobody's even seen if Mysterio has a hands team, and he's already saying he's the guy to beat Spidey. The man with the one rule. Special teams. All hands. In the final panel, Jameson stares right at us, smiling, cigar in his teeth, as he says, Well, we've got nothing to lose. I'll print that notice, and if it means the end of Spider Man, I'll become a hero to the people of this city. Balding black hair co signs behind him, smiling with his eyes closed, saying, That's right, JJ. The next day. Two men are reading the Daily Bugle in a red negative space in the background to open page nine. The guy holding the paper, sporting a lavender blazer, asks his friend, who's wearing a beautiful yellow fedora, if he's seen the Bugle today, and wonders aloud who Mysterio is. And yellow fedora's talking sense, toothpick in his mouth. He's no fan. He says anyone with such a corny name has to be phony. While in the foreground, Pete, reading a paper himself, thinks, This may be the chance I've been looking for. Maybe Mysterio knows what's behind the Spider-Man crime wave. I've got to meet him. And Spidey is suited and booted in the next panel. No problem, gripping a wet blind with two hands high above the city as he races towards the Brooklyn Bridge. Fun facts about the Brooklyn Bridge, according to History.com, it was nicknamed the 8th Wonder of the World upon its completion on May twenty-fourth, 1883. It was one of the first suspension bridges on earth and the longest bridge on the planet when it was finished. A modern marvel to be sure, but not without its problems. No less than 25 people died constructing the bridge, with high end estimates at 40, and that's including its designer, John Roebling. Most people died from the bends, a condition where nitrogen in a person's blood begins boiling when ascending from great depths too quickly. I've added a link to the article in the Patreon show notes. Back to. Spidey says he hopes this whole thing isn't a gag before landing on a suspension cable and scaling it easily, his arms out of his sides for balance. He says he's gotta be careful in case it's a trap, but no one's around. Reaching the top of the bridge's iconic arch, smoke begins billowing at the other end of the thin platform. And then, suddenly, unexpectedly, a figure appears. Mysterio appears in the smoke, covered from the waist down, in smoke, as usual, and he's not a man of small talk, Bowhead. He says, I am Mysterio. I am the one who will single-handedly destroy Spider-Man. As Spidey stares at him, thinking, It wasn't a gang! But if that costume clown thinks I'm a sitting duck, he's got another thing coming! And we got... Action. Spidey lunges towards Mysterio on the next panel, huh. spanning the length of the arch. No problem. Agility. Best ever. But Mysterio, turning his back to the wall crawler, backflips over him easily. A cloud of smoke trailing beneath his feet. He goes straight cliche, saying Spidey's overconfident and his power is greater, before head-stomping Spidey in the final panel like he's been training with him. Dot Bison screaming See how easily I can avoid your attack while bringing behind you and launching one of my own Knocking the Golden Liability off of his feet But Spidey eats those and landing on his feet to open page 10 Cracks the purple corner Mysterio in the fishbowl Causing him to fall from the bridge Spidey asks where Mysterio's tough talk is now but he broke the cardinal rule of me and my friend Pete. Talking crap before he and wins, before his sentence is even finished. Mysterio's feet latch onto the bridge and he stares up at Spidey from his horizontal position, who wonders how the man is keeping his balance. Before Mysterio pulls a move out of Spidey's bag of tricks and leapfrogs our hero into the next panel where he lands on the suspension cable. Spidey's shocked, Mysterio's not, and he asks the webhead if he really thought he'd drop him with one punch. But it's not that he's durable. In the next panel, Spidey thinks that's what he gets for pulling his punches. But the rules ain't changed. If this don't work, there's always the shooters. And screaming. Well, if a wallop can't beat you, let's see what a web can do. He unloads webbing from both wrists at Mysterio. Mysterio remains unimpressed. Holding both his hands out in front of him, smoke wafting up from his feet again. He says his power is greater, and now he's going to prove it. The camera zooms in on his hand, and he goes full on Neo in the hallway, stopping the webbing in midair with a raised hand. His blue smoke hits the most incredible invention on Earth, and Spidey's webbing begins to dissolve on impact, as Spidey thinks, sciency. The web is dissolving, vaporizing, as though it's been sprayed with a fine chemical mist too small for the eye to see. In the final panel, Mysterio, his left hand raised in the floors engulfed in smokes, taunts Spidey. Too bad, Spider-Man. Your puny little bag of tricks is almost exhausted, but there is no limit to my powers. See how easily I can elude you anytime I desire. He said Spidey's bag of tricks is almost empty, and he doesn't even know Spidey's got two tricks in his bag. I call them Lefty and Righty. They're his fists, and he swings them, because he's got them. His Spidey sense ablaze, blaze, he rushes headlong into the smoke surrounding Mysterio to open page 11, thinking the bow-headed man of mystery has just made his first mistake. Spidey doesn't need his eyes to do battle. He's going to go into this cloud of smoke, close them, and go CQC. But... Once inside the thick bill we missed? But Spidey's in trouble. His spider sense is tingling, but he realizes something is jamming it up. Engulfed in smoke in the next panel, he thinks he can't give up and starts swinging wildly, hoping that he can land a lucky punch. But if you know Spidey, you know he doesn't have great luck only great skill and greater responsibility. Neither save him now, as Mysterio cracks his head back from a phantom punch. Spidey takes another blind screen, and this is page 11, panel five. If you see the punch Spidey threw, Mysterio's head would've come clean off if Spidey connected, meaning Spidey has thrown caution to the wind, but Spidey doesn't connect. He thinks he's gotta be near me somewhere. I'll keep swinging. He planned every detail of this fight, even finding a way to jam my spider sense. Before Mysterio lets loose a barrage of fists in the next three panels, Spidey can take a punch, but unguarded he's a sitting duck and Mysterio unloads a barrage of fists for the next three panels. Just special team in the old webhead, who thinks his head jerked back in the final panel that Mysterio does seem to have powers as great as his. Spidey still fearless though and he dives backwards, away from the smoke huh. off of the Brooklyn Bridge towards the East River below to open page 12, thinking he can't take any further punishment. Then, as Spider-Man hits the water below, the dramatic figure of Mysterio appears once again through the billowing mist. Mysterio, standing in his smoke clouds, staring down at Spidey says, as so many others have before, that if Spidey can't stop him, nothing can. While he's gloating from the top of the Brooklyn Bridge, a helicopter arrives on scene and from inside the chopper, a dispatch comes through. Spider-Man has been defeated by Mysterio. We are proceeding with Operation Pickup. The police sure show up fast when Spidey's the villain. They circle above our hero and the whirly bird as Spidey, spotting the chopper, spins a helmet to trap air, and dives beneath the surface of the water. Spidey climbs out of the East River onto a pier a few minutes later thinking, well, one thing is certain, a defeat like this will sure keep me from ever getting too conceited. A little humility keeps the best ever on the right side of justice. I believe it and I respect that self-awareness. In the final panel, we see Pete, his mask removed, sitting on his bed, and he's thinking the day wasn't a total loss because he's learned the answers to something that's been bothering him. Pages 9 through 12, whew, BEA, beautiful storytelling visuals from the swingiest Steve Ditko. Page 13 opens to a sickening parade of honor being thrown from Mysterio. Standing in the back of a cherry red drop top with yellow trim, he holds his hands up triumphantly as the car drives down the most expensive avenue on earth, 5th Avenue not to be confused with 4th Avenue or 6th Avenue, just 5th Avenue. On both sides of the crossway, we see hordes of people carrying signs and cheering. One person screams Mysterio deserves this parade because there's finally someone who can beat Spider-Man. A person on the opposite side of the street screams, Hooray for Mysterio! Spider-Man won't dample any more crimes in this city now! And again, you know the world's topsy-turvy if only the brand X-Kid is talking sense. We see Flash Thompson standing in a crowd with a red-haired kid standing next to him stage right and none other than Peter Parker on stage left. Red asks Flash if he still thinks Spider-Man's so great and Flash replies holding his hand up to wave away the kid's comment without hesitation. Darn right I do. Mysterio's just a big publicity hound. If you ask me, my dough is still on Spider-Man. Pete, enjoying this moment, says, You know something, Flash? You're not as dumb as you look. In fact, you're okay, fella. And Flash snaps, jabbing a finger in the Golden Rock Kid's face. He says he doesn't need PewDie Parker to co-sign anything he says and adds that while they're talking, Pete needs to stay away from Liz because she's his girlfriend. And Pete's unbothered, of course. He says that's no problem, that Flash can have her, But reminds Flash that Liz doesn't seem to think they're dating. A short time later, at the office of J. Jonah Jameson. JJ, surrounded by staff, has none other than Mysterio beside him as Pete looks on behind the bull headed savior. Mysterio's a tall guy. Spidey's always crouching when he's fighting, so it was hard to notice. I grabbed my handy-dandy Marvel Encyclopedia for exact stats, and the man's only build at 5'11". Pete's 5'10", so Mysterio may just be heightening because he's at least 6'4". JJ introduces Mysterio as the man who beats Spider-Man and calls him a real crime fighter who's not afraid to meet people and be interviewed. Translation: He does what I want him to. And being fair, J.J. never gave Spider-Man that chance. If you recall, way back in Amazing Fantasy, when Spidey was becoming the sensation of the nation, the Daily Bugle ran a headline demanding to know who Spider-Man was. If that wasn't enough, J.J. doubled down in ASM number one, calling Spider-Man a menace without once trying to interview Spidey. And I know why, J.J.'s cheap. Spidey was making Boku donuts for his appearances and J.J. didn't want to pay that appearance fee. J.J. will toss around some dimes, but he's never trying to part with the donuts. Plus, we've all heard the man admit he doesn't feel like he measures up to the webhead after the Golden Liability dropped Electro in ASM number 9. So this whole scene is one giant charade. Somebody swimming down the Nile. I think it's J.J. And he continues in the next panel. Smiling, he says once Mysterio's defeated Spider-Man, he's agreed to reveal his identity to the world and give the Daily Bugle the scoop before asking Mysterio to confirm, who says, Right. Just so long as you remember the money you promised me. We all know Mysterio's getting less than half of whatever Jameson's agreed to pay. In the final panel, J.J. still cheesing, claps a hand on Pete's back and introduces the Goldenrod Kid to Mysterio saying, Don't let the kid's age fool him. He's the Daily Bugle's finest photographer, and he'll be the one to take pictures of the next fight between Mysterio and Spider-Man. Pete shakes the man's hand, staring up into Mysterio's fishbowl of a face as he says he's going to do his best not to let either man down. But... Unnoticed by anyone in the room, Parker's left hand contains a small electronically treated spider pen. And we get a close-up on Pete's hand as he palms a small red spider, his newly minted Spidey tracer. As the caption boxes tell us, he first used his device in ASM number 11 on Doc Ock's getaway car. Pete does a little sleight of hand. While nobody's looking, he pins the tracer on Electro's purple suede cloak, ruining the suede in that area. But a Spidey's gotta do what a Spidey's gotta do and something's not right about this purple-cloaked Mysterio and smiling to himself with Ditko's experimental Spidey Pete face on display, thinks Mysterio's more than meets the eye, and he's just a cat to figure out what. Did Spidey inspire the Transformers tagline? I can't be deconvinced. Pete leaves Jameson's office, all smiles at his trickery, and Betty, in a pink dress, notices right away. She asks if Pete's celebrating Spidey's defeat as well, and Pete says not exactly. Hunched over, he races out of the office, screaming over his shoulder that he's not sure Spidey's been beat yet. Betty, hand to nervous chin level on collarbone right now, thinks to herself, Hmm. He's never been so anxious to leave me before. Can he have met another girl? I've noticed a pretty blonde with him occasionally. Before chastising herself for sounding jealous. Betty knows the relationship she's in. Her partner tried to lay hands on Dr. Octopus for her. I imagine that instills a lot of trust. All you lovers out there, be brave when it's crunch time for your significant other and you'll get the benefit of the doubt. You earned it. Back to Back in JJ's office, Mysterio raises a right hand saying farewell before vanishing in a puff of smoke. Balding, today wearing a green bow tie, Wonders how Mysterio does that, and J.J., already turned away from the scene, puffing his cigar, says, Who cares? Adding that the only important thing is, Mysterio is finna put a beating on Spidey. J.J. says he feels like celebrating, and I give the man credit for his consistency. He's not impressed by any human being with superpowers. His son is an astronaut for upstairs' sakes. These people probably got their powers from something crazy, like being bit by a spider. Jameson became a paper magnate off the sweat of his brow. And being still, he remains unimpressed. In the final panel, we get a caption box. But Jameson might not feel so triumphant if he could see a dramatic figure on a nearby rooftop, waiting to receive the electronic signal from his hidden spider pen. In Spidey, suited and booted on a rooftop under the cover of darkness, his spying device, as he calls it, in his hands. Gets a hit on his spider tracer, and Spidey's on the move. Within minutes, a piercing spider signal flashes in the night outside of a TV movie studio building. And we get a gorgeous panel of Mysterio, his right hand up shielding his fishbowl head. Blanket against the warehouse and the crimson sign of the spider. As Spidey from off panel screams for Mysterio to hold it. They've got unfinished business to take care of. Translation, it's time for the showdown. And we got action. Mysterio, initially caught off guard, regroups immediately in the next panel, and in seconds is covered once more in his signature cloud blue smoke. Spidey dropping down in front of a mask. If Mysterio really thought Spidey would let him choose their next fight, Mysterio replies, "But it doesn't matter where this battle. I can beat you here as I did on the bridge before." And Mysterio proves it. Spidey leaps into the blue smoke ha! once more. The kid ain't learned, and Mysterio goes to work. Before Spidey gets one punch off, Mysterio begins clobbering him with phantom punches. He jerks Spidey's head back in panel 3, cracks our hero beneath his left armpit in panel 4, as Spidey throws his hands up, a second too late to dodge. Mysterio finishes Spidey off with a resounding strike to the back of the head that drops Spidey to all fours, the whole time explaining that his missed dulls Spidey's spider sense, joining the great tradition of Spidey villains who uses Spidey's spidey sense against him. Spidey, on his butt covered in mist, realizing he's licked, says, Okay, I get the message. I can't cope with your bag of tricks. But it meant one thing. It was you who committed those crimes disguised as me, wasn't it? And Mysterio, his body half-concealed in smoke, replies, Of course. Only I have the genius to imitate. In fact, to improve upon your own powers. In the final panel, his bold head and suede cape drawn into the caption box, He starts monolog. He starts monologuing. He says, I might as well tell you the whole story, for I shall see to it that you never tell anyone else. I used to be a movie stuntman. And then I became a special effects man for TV movies. I designed all sorts of costumes and props. Then I got the idea of imitating you. And we see Mysterio minus his mask in a pink full-sleeve shirt. He's got a bow haircut and high cheekbones and a wide mouth. He kind of resembles the great Leonard Nimoy of Star Trek fame who played Spock in the original series. Shout out to the legendary Leonard Nimoy, Through the Ether. A thank you isn't nearly enough, but it'll have to do. Back to Mysterio, unmasked, has his right hand pressed on his table and is clutching a newspaper in his left with a simple headline, Spider-Man, with no hyphen between Spidey and man, please print the hyphen. All around Mysterio are sculptures, a Yeti standing on one foot, a robot with a AA battery shaped head, a green sculpture that looks like Zorak from Space Ghost, the lone locust of the apocalypse himself. On the shelf behind Mysterio, we see a model tank sitting next to a model volcano. The man's got some skills. I spent many long weeks studying all your powers, all your abilities, everything that was known about you. I was sure I could duplicate your speech. And now, Mysterio is back to us as he sits in a chair in a studio, is staring at a wall as he studies images of the webslinger with a sketch pad in his hand. There's a large image of Spidey's eyes with notes about the mirrored lenses and how Spidey can see out. But no one can see in. A full body image of Spidey is pinned to the wall next to the Spidey eye with a paper beneath it with outlines of Spidey's webbing. Using all the skill I had acquired designing movie props, I made a gun which fired a nylon cord resembling your own web. I designed shoes and gloves with special suction cups, enabling me to cling to walls. And Mysterio has been busy clinging to a sheer wall with his feet and right hand. He sprays webbing from a small spray bottle with his left, saying nobody will ever know he's not the real Spider-Man in a perfectly replicated Spider-Man costume. My plan seemed perfect. I could commit all sorts of crimes, and you would get the blame. But then, I got a still greater idea. I would create a separate identity for myself. I called myself Mysterio, and then I battled you. When I defeated you, I'd be a national hero, so no one would know that Mysterio is both the criminal and the conqueror. We get a gorgeous long panel of Mysterio showing off his gear and Ditko showing off his art, as Stand the Man gets science behind the scenes with the words. First, Mysterio in profile, his head bold, but we can see his face from the side. My helmet is based on the principle of your eyepieces. I can see out, but no one can see in. Next, his gloved lime green hand whisked with smoke coming from three dark green cylinders at his wrist. I created a fine spray made of specially treated acid which was for the sole purpose of disarming your web if you should ever use it against me. And finally, his boots, dark green. All along the boots between the shank and footbed, the area that connects the top of the boot with its sole, we see little holes. At the front of the boot, the small holes are emitting Mysterio's signature blue smoke. On the soles of his feet, Mysterio's attack springs along the front and the back. The bottoms of my boots contain chemical smoke ejectors as well as magnetic plate springs, which enable me to duplicate your own amazing reach. Back in the present, Mysterio, suited and booted in all his glory, a clenched right fist, ends his monologue. Even my name, Mysterio, was created to instill awe and fear in the hearts of my enemies. I was able to see you within my protective cloud because I have a built-in solar device which aids me at the same time as it jams your own Spider-Sense. But in the final panel, we see Oscars need to be handed out all around. First, Best Special Effects for Mysterio himself. Well, of course, it's so obvious. He's so hot right now. Then, the award for Best Actor in a Guest Appearance goes to none other than the Golden Liability as Captivated Audience Member Number One and the Mysterio monologues. Spider-Man has been sitting here the whole time listening intently with a tape recorder raised in his left hand. He's been hamming it up since he jumped into Mysterio's smoke cloud ten panels ago. The old rope-a-dope or the old take a licking and keep on ticking offensive or the old cross-decked, mic-checked, one-two-one-two-skidoo to be known hereafter as the Zingaroo Shuffle. All those people amazed by Mysterio's quote-unquote sorcery and Spidey saw the science behind it the whole time. The amazing Spider-Man proving that there's more to superhero work than letting fists fly. Sometimes it pays to listen, keep talking. Mysterio, both fists clenched, is unimpressed. Surrounded in smoke, he says, A miniature recorder? but It will do you no good. I'll destroy it after i defeated you. And we got action! Spidey, agility on, best ever. Backflips out of oh. Mysterio's smoke cloud to open page 17, screaming. Not this time, Mysterio. Remember one thing, your power is artificial but mine is natural. Before speeding around the cloud of smoke and into the next panel thinking he has to circle around the mist to find Mysterio and screaming he'll bet on his powers any day of the week, plants his feet and starts swinging wildly into the cloud of smoke thinking he can't lose his advantage and that Mysterio has to be nearby. Before he connects in the most beautiful panel I've seen so far on our journey aboard this crazy train. I'm posting this up on the Patreon page because me just describing it does little justice. Try, fine. my brush please, In a long, horizontal panel. Spidey, facing us, half his face in Mysterio smoke as it fills the space between them, has thrown a wicked right hammer cross into the cloud and connected with Mysterio, who is flying out of the other side beneath a large red sound effect of William. <laughs> Spidey's hit this man so hard that he's flown through the smoke he's created. Both arms bent back like he's impersonating a bird, and he believes he can fly, I'm sure. I'm going to go ahead and hand the brush back to the goat Spidey artist and let him get back to work. Then as Mysterio goes sliding along the floor into the next door studio. And Mysterio hits the floor and tumbles over end into the final panel past the red-shirted director who screams quiet on the set before having to bound out of the way as Mysterio skids to a stop in front of a camera dolly. The cameraman, his orange cap flipped backwards so he can get right up to the lens, swivels the camera from the deep space astronaut film they're shooting in the background and onto Mysterio screaming, get that guy out of here, he's in the wrong movie. Spidey pressing his advantage, leapfrogs a blue suited astronaut, a (laughs) pointy-eared green alien, and a gray shirt brown pants wearing gaffer who gets his lighting equipment out of the way. That gaffer, he's heard about the golden liability and he knows the cost of insurance for this little production is about to go through the roof. Spidey screams, gangway boys, I know I'm not a member of Actors' Equity, but I don't have time to get a union card right now. I've got a little job to finish first. And landing behind a fleeing cameraman, creates a webnet that floats down above Mysterio's head. Mysterio sets his feet and says this is no problem. He's handled the webbing before and raises his arms above his head to dissolve it with smoke. But Spidey was acting again. He leaps the length of the room a good 20 feet in one jump and slams his left fist into Mysterio's waist screaming. Thanks fella. I hope you do that. To give me a chance to wallop you. And Mysterio's on the move. He bounces up from the floor smoke billowing from his spring-loaded boots into the next panel, telling Spidey he lives a stuntman's life, so he knows how to roll with the punches. Saying his spring boots are going to frustrate Spidey again. When did they frustrate Spidey before? No clue. Spidey hit this man so hard through the smoke, Mysterio's gained false memories. We just gotta go with it. We gotta, we gotta roll with it like we're a stuntman. Back to Mysterio lands on a red moon suspended by a thin cable from the ceiling in the next panel, with Spidey on his tail, gripping the pink rings of a gray Saturn, and sticking with the chase. Mysterio leaps from the moon onto a rocket ship in the final panel and hurls the red moon at Spidey, but misses wide above the right side of the wall crawler's head as Spidey leaps from a planet towards the bow-headed villain. Mysterio's cool, mysterious composure leaves the Earth in real time the closer Spidey gets. He screams, No, you can't stop me. You can't. I've waited too long i playing too well! I can't be thwarted now! But Spidey's not hearing it. He lands onto the spaceship alongside Mysterio to open 19, and with a right cross, the villain flying from the spaceship as the cable holding it in place snaps! Spidey's screaming the whole time that rolling with the punches ain't gonna help Mysterio now. And Mysterio's not done. He lands on his cloud-covered feet in the next panel, racing on the surface of the moon, and keeps booking it, screaming once again about his stuntman training. Didn't expect me to land upright through my stuntman training, did you? Spidey, remembering the line he had to wrangle last issue, opens his arms wide and leaps from the spaceship towards the purple Cape illusionist in hopes of mounting him, screaming, Nope! I'm overwhelmed. I don't see how little untalented me will ever defeat a genius like you. Another great panel follows this one as Mysterio catches Spidey in midair and Judo flips him over his shoulder. <laughs> He's a fancy dance, saying he still has a few tricks up his sleeves. But Spidey, feet overhead, is the best there is at what he does. And in case you haven't heard, that's agility. He hits the floor and in <laughs> no time at all has ha. bounced from the floor of the makeshift moon onto a protruding crater before leaping off of that and onto the ceiling. Oh dodging Mysterio who's picked up a light stand to attack with. Spidey moved so fast, Mysterio barely had a chance to lift the lighting before he's lost sight of the webhead, who is now backflipping above the set background illuminated oh. with stars, and through the wood paneling behind it into the next panel, bursting through the stars with both arms wide towards a startled Mysterio, screaming. You picked on the wrong guy when you tried to frame me, Mysterio. You should've found some easy victim, like the Human Torch, for instance. Clearly, Spidey and Torchy have some unresolved issues. But I hope Mysterio doesn't take that advice. The torch will turn that man's life upside down in single combat. I've seen his skills. In the final panel, the hits just keep on coming as Spidey connects with another right. Mysterio's got no defense, and he flies upside down past the alien and astronaut Spidey knocked him past when the fight first started. Spidey's butt kicking has literally come full circle. A guy in an orange shirt screams, Don't just stand there. Somebody help Mysterio! Spider-Man's turned bad. As the alien, dodging the smoke pouring from Mysterio's boot as he flies past him upside down says, so you help Mysterio! I'm getting out of here! Well, I still can! And he's absolutely right. You want somebody to help? You be that somebody. Don't ask people to face a danger you won't. Either get it in or get out of there. That's the rule. I didn't make that rule. But there it is. On 20, Spidey's left the room again, and people huh. scattering and running all around him. He tackles Mysterio around the waist. McGaffer, knowing the movie has just become uninsurable, screams that he's going to call the police. And Spidey, quoting four-fold Oscar-nominated 1936 film, The General Died at Dawn, starring Gary Cooper and Madeleine Carroll, screams, you do that little thing. And that little thing is a big thing to be sure. Mysterio, trying to shake Spidey loose, says he hasn't won yet. And in no time, he's covered in his smoke screen once more. But Spidey's ready for it this time, taunting Mysterio by telling the man he doesn't learn as the illusionist disappears behind a cloud of smoke. But Spidey, focusing on Mysterio's cape, has gotten sciency. He screams, Your concealing smokescreen won't help you while I can use my spider sense, and you can't stop me from using it if I smash your jammer. Like this! before ramming his fist into the tryptophobic eye of Mysterio's cape on the right side. And Spidey's guessed correct. He throws a left straight punch in the next panel surrounded by smoke and connects, knocking the man of mystery, Cape Fovader, Vader, the purple and green machine, out cold. The whole time telling the walking fishbowl that putting him down is the best favor he could ever do for him. Spidey leaps from the smoke onto a scaffolding in the next panel, where we see he's managed to kill all his birds with his huge set of stones. Retrieving his camera from a webline dangling above the wooden structure, he thinks... I must've forget to take my automatic camera, which I hung on a piece of webbing up here to catch all the action. And strapping it back into his utility belt, leaps back into Mysterio smoke, his spidey sense on tingle. 21 opens with our hero, Mysterio draped unconscious over his shoulder, racing towards the exit using his Spidey sense as a guide and the illusionist's own smoke for cover. And when the strange mist finally clears, the gaffer alien and a green-shirted man wonder where Spidey and Mysterio got off to. As the director, his chest hairs bursting from his shirt, rounds on the cameraman for not recording the greatest action sequence ever seen. And the cameraman gives him a solid reply. He says he doesn't know if they were in the union or members of the cast, so he didn't record. And a few minutes later, At police headquarters. And we see J.J., cigar in mouth, brown blazer on his back, a green bowler on his head, stroll into a police station where the chief of police is standing stage right of an unmasked Mysterio, who's sitting with an orange-haired police officer who's taking Mysterio's statement. Jameson says he heard Mysterio was here and asks the police chief what happened. And the police chief replies, It's incredible, Mr. Jameson. Spider-Man brought him in, and we have a full confession on tape from Mysterio's own lips. He's the criminal we've been seeking. Spider-Man is innocent. As a red-haired police officer enters the room, saying the police are rounding up all the stolen loot now. Jameson loses it. He's skinning his teeth in the next panel, his right hand over his right eye, his left closed. his head thrown back at the ceiling, as he says, Mysterio is guilty. Spider-Man is innocent. And after all I wrote in my newspapers, I'll be a laughingstock. Again. Oh no. And that's what happens when you don't bet on the spider. Then, when Jameson returns to his office... Jameson, his bowler in his left hand, his shoulders hunched, a cigarette in his mouth, walks past Betty Brand's desk telling her to cancel his appointments and send down for a big bottle of aspirin. Betty, in a fiery red blouse, replies, Yes, sir. Peter Parker was just in. He left some photos for you. But Jameson's nonplussed. He walks into his office saying, Hmm, A lot of good photos can do me now. Out, Huh? What are those? But rifling through the photos on his desktop, he screams, Fight scenes? Spider-Man and Mysterio? Before grabbing up the photos on the final panel, the smile returns to his lips. He is overjoyed. That Lucky Parker. He must have been there just at the right time. These pictures are perfect for the front page. I'm saved. Stop the presses. We're putting out an extra. But that's not luck. Pete doesn't have good luck. Just great skill and greater responsibility. JJ says to stop the presses because they're putting out an extra and I imagine someone called Bat Newsy and told him they were going to be dimes to be made. Jameson sits down at his desk to open 22 and immediately goes miser mode saying he'll write a check out for Peter Parker so the kid won't have to worry about his mortgage now. He calls himself generous saying he's going to pay the kid half of what the photos are worth. I thought you said this man knows words. That is not generous. I said he was cheap, too. True. Before Jameson can write anything, Spidey web swings into the window asking if JJ's got time for a visitor. He lands on the paper magnate's desk in the next panel as Jameson falls back into his chair. It's a nice chair, purple, very regal. Spidey, hunched over, his right fist curled, his left pointing at JJ says, I just dropped by to congratulate you on a perfect record. So far, you've been 100% wrong about me. I've got to hand it to you. I'll bet it's not easy to make a fool out of yourself all the time. As J.J. and shock asks what Spidey's gonna do. Spidey lifts the man from his chair between panels and suspends J.J. from the ceiling with a web line in the next and staring at the cigar-chomping magnate upside down says, I figured you need a new outlook on life, so I thought I'd give you one. There! Before leaping through the window and web-swinging away in the next panel as J.J. screams, Help! Get me down from here! I'll get you for this yet, you masked menace! See if I don't! You won't get him in this one, J.J. And so, Spider-Man is vindicated by the police. Then, the next day. Flash is chatting it up with a blond-haired kid wearing a red vest and blue tie as a black-haired kid in a purple shirt looks on. Blondie says it looks like Flash was right all along about Spider-Man. Flash, jerking his thumb at himself, says he's right about everything before asking Pete, passing by in the foreground, if now he's satisfied that Spidey's the greatest guy around. Pete was agreeing with him at the parade. This kid's got the memory of a goldfish. He needs the fishbowl helmet more than Mysterio. But Pete plays along. He replies, heck no, Flash. Personally, I still wouldn't trust him any further than I control Minutes later, we see Spidey web swinging high above New York towards a water tower in the final panel, as he says, Poor Flash! If he only knew the real identity of his favorite hero, it would be worth anything to tell him someday, just to watch him explode. Beneath this, we get a caption box. But, that day is still in the future, and until then, fate has many more surprises in store for Spidey. Next issue, we present another book-length adventure with an unexpected guest star. We think you'll like it, so... We'll see you then. And we're out. Mysterio is a great villain. Bombastic, egotistical, and just condescending enough to put an itch of annoyance behind the all he hopes to garner. I can't wait for his return, and it won't be far away. JJ in this story is hilarious. I love seeing him being completely hypocritical and having nowhere near enough self awareness to realize it. The pacing in this masterpiece. Pitch Perfect And Spidey's Zingaroo Shuffle Was a thing of beauty Put that trophy on your mantle Pete You earned it That's the main episode this week And that's true That's the main episode But there is more me and my friend Pete Available for your listening pleasure Right now If you support the show on Patreon.com HSPP Patrons get a bonus show every week Where I run through comic books From all over the multiverse Past and present From Marvel to DC To all points in between If we got comics We've got history And I'll be your guide through it all join me head over to patreon.com slash hspp and sign up to the key keeper or high council tiers now for patients who sign up before we get to the season finale at episode 25 you'll receive a high society pin as a thank you and with all that said thank you so much for listening I had a fishbowl blast, and I hope you did too. Please shoot the podcast, a follow on Apple Podcast and Podbean if you haven't. We need all the support we can get. And a very special thanks again to the right minders, the key keepers, and the high council. Your support is the engine behind this wonderful crazy train we're on, and I'm truly, truly grateful you let me be the conductor. And as always, please take care, please think of the world and be true to yourself. And remember, with great power, you already know. The rest, make sure you're being responsible. I'm out of here.